0: Well good morning church. Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Good to be with the people of God, worshiping our great God and hallelujah for the cross, right? Thank you Jesus for what you did for us. We're in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 17 today and the title of the message is Suffering and Glory. Suffering and Glory and we're going to be reading verses uh, 1 through 21. Matthew 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured, transformed before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them a Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. For when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Only. And as they went, as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and that they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And when they came down to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, what could, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed... You will say to this mountain, "Move from here to there," and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and the proclamation of His Word. This week we've been remembering the attacks of the terrorists on September the first, nineteen uh, September eleventh, uh, September the eleventh, two thousand and one. I'll get that right. We remember that tragic day. I remember I was in Clinton, Arkansas. Clinton, Arkansas. And I was preaching a revival for the church that day. And I hadn't turned my TV on because I was trying to focus on getting ready for the night. And I went to get a a Coke or a cup of coffee. And and then everybody in there was talking about what had happened. And I I said, what's going on? And a lady said, well, we've been attacked. Our country's been attacked. Uh, We remember that day. More people were killed on uh, September 11, 2001 than any other day uh, in American history in this kind of attack, even more than Pearl Harbor. Not more than in the battles of the war, but more than any other day uh, like it. If you watch the news this week, you realize that people are still dying from the effects of 9-11. First responders like firefighters and paramedics and police officers who were exposed to the dust and debris of the collapsing buildings, uh, are still today dying of diseases caused by that exposure. When events of suffering and death happened, we also see great heroism and sacrifice combined with those tragic events. Suffering and honor go hand in hand. Uh, Desmond Doss was a conscious objector during World War II. And he would not carry a gun. He was a Seventh Day Adventist, and he would not carry a gun. Uh, but he wanted to serve his country, and and so he joined the military. And he joined it so that he could become a medic. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it talks about uh, the uh, the fellow soldiers that he that he trained with. They didn't understand a guy would join. The army and not want to carry a gun, and they made it very difficult for him. In fact, they tried to get him uh, to, uh, to leave the military. But he wouldn't, because he wanted to help in the effort. And so, uh, and so he did become a medic. Uh, during the Hacksaw Ridge Battle in Okinawa in 1945, under a barrage of gunfire and explosion... uh, Desmond Doss crawled on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier and he dragged severely injured men to the edge of a ridge and he tied a rope around their bodies and lowered them down to other medics below and in a 12 hour period under heavy gunfire uh, all kinds of chaos happening he saved 75 men 75 men he said I was praying the whole time I just kept praying, Lord, please help me just get one more. So we see suffering and honor again going hand in hand. Now Jesus had revealed himself as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had confessed this faith in him as we read in chapter 16. And Jesus said, as as Peter confessed him, it's not going to be... Like you think, it's not going to be a messiahship of glory to glory. I'm going to suffer, and uh, I'm going to have to sacrifice myself for you, and uh, and and I'm going to die, and then the third day I'm going to rise again. And then he called his followers to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. He said, "You also, when you follow me, it will require sacrifice and suffering." Now in Matthew 17. We see at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is, He takes three of his closest followers up to the mountain with him and they see him glorified as the glorious Son of God before them. They see the one who said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be, uh, be mocked, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. They see this one in all his heavenly glory. You see, Jesus, following Jesus, uh, required of him and required of us uh, that that we're going to have to sacrifice and suffer from time to time. But ultimately, following Jesus leads us to eternal glory in his presence forever and ever. We see the timeless truth about following Jesus today. Glimpses of Jesus' glory now reveal. What we will experience eternally as we live forever with him in his presence. Glimpses of Jesus' glory today now reveal what we will experience eternally as we live with him in his presence. Suffering and honor going hand in hand. Now Jesus revealed his, his disciples his coming suffering. And now he's revealed to Peter and James and John in all his heavenly glory. Uh, first of all, this passage teaches us uh, something about that. Uh, I am getting... The glory of Jesus is sometimes revealed to us. The glory of Jesus is sometimes revealed to us. Now, after Jesus confessed, uh, was confessed by Peter and uh As the Christ, and after he told them he was going to suffer, he was taken. He took Peter and James and John up with him on a high mountain. He takes these three as inner circles, and he leaves the other apostles in the valley. Now Jesus uh, tells us, uh, the word tells us in Luke that he goes up on the mountain to pray, and he's praying, and 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 as he was praying, Jesus was transfigured or transformed before them. You see, Jesus was transformed from his earthly presence into his pre-incarnate heavenly glory. It's the glory that he had before he came to earth and the glory that he will have forever uh, as he ascended back to heaven. Uh, Jesus was transformed and they saw him like they would see him uh, in his heavenly glory. It says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes, as Mark tells us, were whiter than anyone could bleach them, as white as light. Peter, James, and John were seeing the glorious Son of God in all his heavenly glory. We're told that Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus and they were talking with Jesus about his departure. They were discussing the events of the upcoming crucifixion and how he would leave the earth. He would, he would die and he would rise again. He would ascend to heaven. And they were talking with him about these. Now, Peter and James and John were with Jesus. Evidently, as Jesus was praying, they were kind of in a sleepy kind of mode. They, were, they basically fall, fell asleep. But when Jesus was transformed before them, they woke up. They woke up. And they saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus. Um, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I don't know. Evidently, they knew. You know, some people said, are we going to know people in heaven? Well, they knew who Moses and Elijah were. They'd never seen him before. Somehow, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to know each other. uh, And we're also going to know others maybe who we haven't known. But anyway, they knew it was Moses and Elijah. And so Peter, like he's done in the past, speaks up when he should have been silent. When he should have said nothing. Uh, Peter said, uh, Lord, uh, I want to make three tents for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah and, and one for you. I think Peter was saying, I just want to stay up here for a while. I just want to enjoy this, uh, this what's happening right now and be in this, your, your powerful presence and see you in all your glory. Uh, and so he spoke up and uh, and said something when he probably should have been silent. You know, I can really relate to Peter. You know, a lot of times when I should be silent, I just find almost impelled that I have to say something, compelled to say something. You know, I I also think about Job's friends. You know, Job's three friends, you know, oftentimes they get a bad rap in the scripture. But you know, they actually were with Job for a week before they said anything. I don't think I could be with anyone for a week and say nothing. And so uh, I can understand why they wanted to say something. Because we always feel like, what do I have to say? That's kind of like people ask me, well, how do you deal with people who have a death or uh, who have some great tragedy in their lives? You know, what do you say to them uh, when those kind of things happen? And I said, basically, I, I, don't, I, don't, why I go is not to say anything. I just go to be with them. To be the presence of God with them, to represent the Lord. And that's why you go too. If you ever wonder if some tragedy happens and, and do people need you there, they might, they probably do need to know that you care. They don't need your words. They're not going to remember them anyway. Even if I came up with some great thing to say, they wouldn't remember that anyway. They just will remember that you cared enough to come and, and share in their time of uh, tragedy. So Peter, Peter says this and, uh, And then suddenly a bright cloud overshadows them. And God the Father spoke, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We've heard that before in Jesus' baptism, right? God the Father spoke. Now that would have been frightening enough to hear the voice of God. And it said there was a kind of a cloud, often in the Bible that the glory of God is represented by kind of a cloud when you read in the Old Testament. It overshadowed them and God was speaking to them, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That would have been frightening enough. But then there's a command to Peter. I think it was addressed probably to Peter. Listen to him. Stop talking so much, Peter, and listen to him. It said Peter and James and John fell on their faces in fear before Almighty God. Jesus then came and touched them and told them, Rise up, have no fear. And when they rose up, uh, Jesus alone was left with them on the top of the mountain. Well, what was happening here? What is this all about? They were given a glimpse of the eternal glory of of Jesus, of the eternal glory of God the Son. They saw Jesus as He had been from eternity to eternity. They saw the glory of the One who told them He would be mistreated and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed and rise again. They saw that One Exhibit the glory of God, the glory of God the Son, right before them. They saw Jesus in all his glory. Jesus told them, don't tell anybody about this. No, why is he telling this? He said, don't tell anybody about this until the Son of Man rises from the dead. Now, I don't think he wanted them to even tell the other nine apostles that weren't there. Because they already had the wrong conception about Jesus and they didn't understand he would have to suffer. And so if this word got out, they could go they could go crazy with enthusiasm. So he says, don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. You see, they were understanding more and more that the Jesus who revealed, who was revealed as the God, the Son, and all his glory, he is the Jesus who's going to suffer and die for them. Well, they had a question. They said, uh, the scribes say Elijah come first, and and how, how does that work? Is is what they experienced? They saw Elijah. Is that it? And Jesus said, Elijah will come first. Jesus agreed with this interpretation of the scribes, but then he said, Elijah has already come. They did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. You see. And Jesus then said, they're going to do the same thing to the Son of Man. The Son of Man will also suffer at their hands. The Son of Man will also suffer at their hands. And then the disciples began to understand that the Elijah was prophesied to come before the Messiah. That prophecy had been fulfilled in the person of John the Baptist. That prophecy had been fulfilled in in John the Baptist. And so they were growing in understanding in who Jesus was. Yes, Jesus would suffer and die and rise again. This true Messiah, the one who came from glory and returned to glory, he will do this and he will rise and we will forever somehow live in his presence, in his glory with him. What a glimpse of, of the glory of God. You know, every once in a while we, we catch glimpses of the glory of God, don't you? You ever remember some great experience you've had and you just, you just somehow understood God in all His greatness and His glory and you just wanted to stay there, right? You just want to be there. You don't want to go down. We have these mountaintop experiences. We don't want to go down and we just want to stay there. We just wish life could always be like that. But it can't, right? As long as we live in the needy world that we live in, we can't stay up on the mountaintop. Uh, We can't stay up there as long as there are people in the valley below who need the touch and the power and the love of God. And so they went down from the mountain. They went down from the mountain. As they went down, something else became clear. Uh, the neediness of the people is exposed to us. The neediness of the people is exposed to us. Now Peter, James, and John, they come to the valley. And there were Jesus' other apostles. And uh, there was a crowd at, as they came down waiting with Jesus and the other disciples. Now Mark tells us there's an argument going on. There's an argument going on between the scribes and Jesus' disciples. Jesus said, what's going on here? And, uh, and, and there was a man in the crowd that said, I brought uh, my son to your apostles because he has seizures and he suffers terribly because of this. He is often thrown into the fire and the water as if he's trying to kill himself. His son was suffering horribly. And the man said, I brought him to your disciples and they could not help. They could not help. Jesus, in frustration, look what he says. He's frustrated. You see, Jesus had given his apostles authority to cast out demons. They had already done this. He had sent them on a mission and they had done it. And they had rejoiced because they said the demons even obeyed their voice. But now, this happens and they can't cast out uh, the demon. They can't help this poor man and his son in this terrible situation. And so Jesus cried out, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So Jesus comes down. He finds this chaos of the apostles and scribes arguing among themselves because Jesus' apostles were powerless to cast the demon out of the boy the believers, the apostles there, were arguing about theology and the reasons for their powerlessness with the scribes who were accusing them. Uh, This argument was going on, and in the meantime, this boy was dying. In the meantime, this boy was dying. You know, sometimes I wonder what the Lord thinks of me and us when we exhibit this same kind of powerlessness when he's already given us his presence and his authority to help and minister in his name. And we just can't seem to figure out what to do. I can be real critical of the apostles, but to tell you the truth, I've been there too. I presented with a need. Lord, what do I do? And I just don't know what to do. And I wonder if that frustrates the Lord. Well, Matthew says Jesus, Matthew condenses the story greatly. If you want to read about it in Mark, uh, I think it's Mark 9 and and even Luke 9. uh, There's a couple of other uh, accounts of this event. Jesus calls for the boy. He heals him. And he delivers him from the demons that are destroying him. Well, the disciples, they were... They came to Jesus and they said, Why couldn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we do what you told us we could do? And Jesus said, It's because of your little faith. And in Mark, he says, This kind only comes out by prayer. Uh, And some, uh, some texts have fasting. Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith... And because of of the lack of prayer. Now what's Jesus telling them? You see, he had already given them the authority to cast out demons. But because they didn't understand that that it's not a magic formula. it's It's not some magic words. It's living with him and being in his presence and seeking him continually and uh it's being it's being spiritually prepared for when the events happen they weren't they couldn't do it because they were not living lives of continually communing with god they were not prepared for the event now why why weren't they you know i wonder i just in in my mind and i read some things i wonder if maybe they were a little jealous that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, but he left these other guys here. Maybe they, maybe they had the wrong attitude about God. God, why are you letting these guys get this stuff? Why, why are you taking them, and I don't get to go? You ever look at other Christians and say, Lord, why are you blessing their ministry? You know, why Why are you doing things in their life, and I'm seeing nothing happen, and I'm dying here? You ever feel like that? See... That's the ministry of comparison and that's something we don't need to do. You see, we need to just thank the Lord for whatever blessings He gives. And sometimes He's going to give you a blessing and and the other person's not going to get it. And sometimes He's going to give the other person a blessing and He's going to work through their lives and maybe He's not going to seem to be doing that in your life. But you can still be in His presence and live with Him and walk with Him no matter what's happening. You see, your attitude you know, can keep you from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, you know, the Bible talks in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, Peter is talking to husbands and his wives, and he tells husbands to be careful that they need to see their wives in the right way. Uh, they need to be careful not to crush his wife. Be, and he says, if, you, if, you, if you're not careful, and you, and you miss, and you don't treat your wife the way you should, it can hinder your prayer. You see, my wrong attitude can hinder my ability to walk with God. You see, Jesus had given them authority <clears throat> to do what they needed to do. But somehow, they weren't living in His presence at the moment that they needed to be living in His presence. You know, God calls us to obey Him. And I believe in if God calls anybody to do anything, He always provides the power and the resources to do it. But there are times that we can't seem to get it done, right? And maybe it's because we're not, we don't have the right attitude. We're not walking humbly with Him. We're not seeking Him continually in prayer. You see, we need to seek to live every moment in the presence of God. We need to seek to live every moment with the attitude that He loves us and He's with us and He's called us. And we can do whatever He calls us to do. You see, we live in a very needy world, don't we? I mean, it's a crazy needy world. And sometimes we want to just stay on the mountain in the overwhelming presence of the the Lord. But if we do that, we can't help anyone. But we can come down to the valley and we can walk with Jesus. We can know His presence and power and be where He wants us to be. And we can have, have the right attitudes and be seeking Him continually in prayer so that whenever a need forcefully presents itself to us, the Lord can work through our lives to deliver those who are perishing, who are ruined. Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You know, a mustard seed is not very big. If you've ever seen it, it's just a little speck. You ever get mustard Thing to put on your cooking. If you ever see a little mustard it's just a speck. But if, you're, if your faith is in Jesus, you can do whatever he's called you to do. Now Jesus is not saying that you can just decide to move mountains. That never happened, I don't think, in all history. It's a figure of speech, but he is saying whatever he's called you to do, you can do it. I can do it. We as a church can do whatever he leads us to do. Because He will empower us. We just have to live and walk in His presence. You see, you see, being with Jesus is living in His presence continually. That's the greatest thing about being a Christian. We can live in His presence all the time. He can be with us all the time. There are times that we'll sense it. There are times that we won't sense it, but we, we can still live in His presence. We can accomplish anything the Lord has for us if we just walk with him. We we check our attitudes and make sure we're just loving him and seeking him and, uh, and walking in his presence. You know, the Bible says, humble yourselves in the mighty presence of God and he'll exalt you at the proper time. You see, God places us in this needy world that we live so he can use us to help the needy people that he placed all around us. You know, we want to stay on the mountaintops and sense the presence of the Lord. But there's too much need. There's too much need. There's too many ruined and crushed and hurting and dying people that need His presence and power. And God works through you to bring that to them. We can live in His presence and walk with Him even as, as we live in this hurting world. Most of our lives has got to be lived in the, the presence of hurting people. The neediness of the world is exposed to us, and God wants to use us to make a difference in that. In, in that, Suffering and honor do go hand in hand. Jesus suffered for us, but he suffered as the very Son of God. His glory was revealed even as he was preparing to suffer. You know, I think there are times that we need to, to catch a glimpse of the glory... And the wonder and the beauty of God. There are times. Yes we do need to get alone from time to time. And be with the Lord. And discover how wonderful and great he is. But we can't live there. We can be there for a little bit. We can retreat. And we should. From time to time. Jesus didn't. You know, we, we hear all the time of Jesus going away, being by himself, being with his disciples, getting away from the crowd. And sometimes we think we can just go, 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 go and never burn out. I, you know, we, there are times you've got to say, I, gotta, I, I need Lord to know your presence I need to be with you. You might need to take a retreat. I know pastors that, that yearly, you know, even every few months... And a pastor just take a couple days off and just get by himself and, and just seek the Lord in those times. And that's a good thing to do. And we need, to, we need those times to catch a glimpse of the glory of God. But we, we mostly live in the suffering and the neediness of the world. And that's where God wants us to live most of the time. The neediness of people, their hurt, their ruin is before us. And God wants to use you and I so they can know the one who suffered for them. So they too can know His presence and His power. You see, I believe God can change any life. I believe God can save any soul who will turn to Him. I believe God can make a difference in any family that will look to Him. We've got to help them see that our God can do just that. He made a difference in my life. He gave me purpose and meaning. He made a difference in your life. You and I know people that were ruined by drugs or alcohol or or life itself uh, or, you know, people that have come back from battle and God has restored and redeemed their life. And I want to say to you, he, he, He continually does that. And we want to see Him do that to us. You see, the one who suffered for us They can know His presence and power, but we are conduits of that. Glimpses of Jesus' glory now and forever now reveal what it's going to be like to live in His presence forever. To live in His presence forever. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you need the touch of God, He wants to touch you. He loves you. Jesus died for you. He rose again so that you could have eternal life. He rose again so that you uh, He died for you so your sins can be forgiven. You see, we are sinners and our sin has separated us from God. And we can't somehow make it to God by doing a bunch of good things or by doing a bunch of religious things. We have to believe and put our trust in Jesus because Jesus is the one that bridges the gap between holy God and sinful man. He died on a cross so that if we will believe in Him, our sins will be forgiven and we can be made right with God through what Jesus has done for us. Have you ever put your trust in Him? Have you ever been saved? Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you you trusted Him with your life And receive what He has already done for you. If you've not done that today, I pray that you would receive Him and believe in Him. We have a couple people, Dan, and uh, uh, I think it's Grace this morning. Grace and Dan will be back at the bottom of the steps. If you need to talk to someone about what that means or need to pray with someone about that or pray with someone about any other need that you have, they're there to help you this morning. Father, we love You. We seek Your face. We thank You for Your help, Lord. Lord, we do want to see You in all Your glory. We do want to understand that You are the glorious uh, Son of God, the Son of God who is from forever to forever. Almighty God, we know that You are the glorious God who rules and reigns. Help us never to forget how great You are. And help us from time to time when we need to know, just, just to catch a glimpse of Your glory. But Father, help us, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of people you place all around us. That need to know the love and forgiveness and the healing touch of God. That need to know that there's hope for them. That need to know there's, there's eternal life that can be theirs. That doesn't start when we die, but it starts the moment we believe in you. Lord, just work and move and do in our lives. In the lives of those around us, what you would have us do. To the glory of your name, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.